everyone and welcome to the classic quest podcast Oof, it's been a minute since i've actually said those words <laughs> my name is holden stefan roy i am your lady friend bonnie and today we are going to be doing this thing where we talk about aesop rocks the impossible kid and doing a full album review for this hair project um and again this is the classic quest the show where we go through the annals of hip-hop history and talk about the classic albums of all time track by track giving thoughts and opinions on every single song albums including the likes of aesop rocks the impossible kid and uh before we do get into it i'd like to start off the show just kind of contextualizing why we chose to do this album and why we like the artist our familiarity with everything mm-hmm. kind of roll into it um and now that we're live on twitch so for those on youtube later on now that we're live on twitch.tv slash behind that suit you can go ahead and join us there and you know we're gonna go through and discuss the stuff and we can play the song in full on twitch and then clip that out for the parts after but yo for real reals um this was not the album i wanted to review I actually fucked up and picked this album thinking it was a different album. That's the actual truth of the situation. And then Bonnie went ahead and reviewed the album. And then I realized I picked the wrong one. So what happened was, is we talked to Mr. Nunzio uh, and we did this interview and he's like, yeah, I worked on Aesop Rock's project in like 2006. I can't remember which one it was. I'm like, hold up. I'm talking to a dude who literally made music that I can go review and engineered that shit. So I meant to do the Nun Shall Pass album. And for some reason, I told Bonnie the Impossible Kid, probably because it was the only album that fucking popped into my head. And then I was like, yo. And I didn't think twice about it. Like, I was just like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, And then she reviewed the whole thing. But here's the thing. But I mean, we can always like, you know. A document is saved, right? So, mm. I mean, we can always go back to it. Like, it doesn't have to be done right away, but, I mean. It was more the timing yeah, yeah, of it yeah. all. It was like, it, it just felt like a moment. But here's the thing. Um, I recently did the the, the most recent, uh, the Impossible Kid was definitely suggested in YouTube comments. Yeah. Uh, but we recently have done Spirit World Field Guide. Well, I did that. I love that project. I thought it was wonderful. You can check that review out if you want after uh, Malibu Ken blew my fucking mind. I like this one. I don't think I understood it, and I think the people watched it didn't like me. That, that's okay. Um, and then I realized I love Aesop Rock, and the more I become into Rhyme Sayers, the more I really like a lot of their different acts, the more I realized Aesop Rock might be one of my favorite rappers personally. So I just want to review all of his albums. So I'm, I'm just saying I'm mad okay with The Impossible Kid. I'm coming into this album with the expectations that, frankly, I'm going to like it a lot. And uh, spoilers, I liked it a lot. How about you, Bonnie? What were your thoughts coming into this one? Um, I mean, he's okay. He's like kind of like out there. So he's not for me. Like he's just like, like he he makes me think too much. <laughs> I guess like and so um, I mean I have like covered some of his stuff, but like like literally like I did well I did um none shall pass as a lyrical breakdown but um like I mean my interpretation of it could be completely different from like what you know he was thinking he just is like very like vague picturesque kind of like ideas that he puts out um through his words but it doesn't always mean what you think it means like it's you know he's very abstract abstract and uh yeah good word for it and he definitely um which i think is great and i think that um it's it's done often is that um he definitely uses uh music as like an outlet for 
like a thera- therapeutic outlet, sort of like it's like his way to let things out. So I think that that's kind of, uh, you know, going into it, what I was expecting and like looking at the album cover, I was kind of like, whoa, this is weird and like it looks funky. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, it wasn't, I mean, it would never be my first choice, but I don't hate it. Somewhere in the middle. I totally appreciate that. Um, I love the cover. I think he's a great art guy. Um, I don't really think a lot about the cover. I just think it's visually interesting. Like little dude over there, kind of just in a, in like a comic book esque. It makes me feel like a bit of a video game. Like some shit's about to pop off or whatever. Mm. The impossible kid, like an abstract superhero. The world is daunting and scary around them. I don't know. I like the vibes that comes off, but it, because he's so small in that big scary world it almost makes you feel like he's this underdog superhero called the impossible kid and we're about to get the story and i almost feel like there's gonna be like a comic adventure to the whole fucking thing you know what that's kind of what i took from that so since it's been like what like a month or so that um (laughs) like that i i reviewed this um like there's like a lot of things that i've kind of forgotten and i did not review any of my notes i just went right into this and here we are so um from what i remember um i thought that the album cover was his as well because i thought that i think maybe he also is like uh he is an an artist himself um like a visual artist um but apparently it's that album cover i think i think i have it in my notes somewhere as we go through um i'm pretty sure that album uh was designed and created by someone else right Fair enough. I meant it more like you can see the artistic mind. Like I think yes. he put a lot of effort into what making, he wanted and making sure that it looked like this visual thing. Um, and I feel like there's this cool aesthetic to it all that really is is cohesive. I don't know. I like it a lot. I like the cover. Like I think it looks like a cool poster. Um, and it, it's I don't know that a lot of people try as hard in covers as they should. I think a lot of people do still try in covers as I say that, but. A lot of people also treat covers as a throwaway, but I almost feel like the cover serves as a perfect visual montage um, of like what it's supposed to be, like like what the album's supposed to be. Like it mentally prepares you for a little bit. On that note, I'm just jibber-jabbering at that point. I feel like The Impossible Kid is a great title. Uh, it shows the perplexing mind of somebody, maybe just yeah. juxtapositions in the in society or whatever. I'm saying that with the hindsight of the album. And but, also, like, the album cover in itself is sort of like a child's dream. So it is mm. quite childish um, when we look at it. Like, it's not maybe, like, the most, like, grown-up album cover. Like, so I think that that's kind of saying something, too. And it's kind of, like, trippy and, like weird and like like i think it's a a being that's like sort of like part bat and like like you know his name's like all in like neon and stuff like that and like there's like this kind of like these like colors that stand out from like like you were saying like from like the the darkness and i don't know it's pretty unique though but it is also like at the same time not like like a tough guy album you know like right yeah all right so let's get into it The first song on the album of our 15-track journey is actually called Mystery Fish. All right, your lady friend Bonnie, what do you think about Mystery Fish? Well, it's a a fun one. Um, Like, the beginning of it sounds sort of like like a weird sci-fi show or something, kind of like Stranger Things, like it makes me think of. Um, And it definitely has, like, a great beat, some good energy, good positive energy to it. 
Um, he makes like a reference to H1N1, which uh, was happening at the time of uh, this recording, but little did he know <laughs> <laughs> what was in store, uh, you know, whatever, five years later or whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, so that's what it is. And um, I think what mystery fish means is like kind of like mystery meat. Um, and it's not about getting what you like expect, but like sometimes getting something that's worse. Mm. Um, and I guess it's sort of like an interesting idea. And I guess it can also be like in anything, right? It can be in music. It can be, you know, you expect one thing and you end up with something worse. Um, and it does give me like a bit of, uh, around the jewels vibe, uh, to this one. Like, and I definitely have like that similar sort of like style or at least like, like it makes me like think of like their album, which was like around the same time. I think that was what Run, Run the Jewels too, and yeah, I like that. It was um, it's cool, uh, cool intro, and it gives the listeners sort of like a what a, a taste of what they're gonna get next. So it's smart, it works. I like it. Um, I give it a four point three five. I so this song does a lot and really got me interested. Um, I don't know if like my grades count for anything. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm gonna become a really shitty grader. I don't even try and really hard anymore. So just don't. My grades suck. But in general, <laughs> the beat is really fascinating. And what I like is that that kind of sound has a continuity mm-hmm. throughout the album. And it's something I didn't really think about until just now. So it really serves as a hook throughout the project mm-hmm. as a constant thing that comes back again and again and again to kind of give you this air of like continuity, which I really thought was cool. Yeah. Um, but from a tone perspective, this track is really great. Um, it showcases a lot of the abstract nature of Aesop's writing. Like, look at the beginning, like tech support, feral army in a cave on a failed bit of terraforming. Knowing that this track is about the hood he lived in in some cruddy neighborhood and shit, that's a really cool way to describe that. So I'm not going to go through all of his buyers. Y'all really know what it is. And half the time, people can argue for days about his buyers. I'm just going to kind of touch on stuff that I thought was interesting, I guess. Um, but, yo, tech support is a way to call for help if you're in computer land or whatever, right? Feral army in a cave on a failed bit of terraforming. So terraforming is what you would do, like, when you transforming planets and shit in like star trek and whatnot to like make the planet right and in a sense a failed bit of terraforming can also be viewed as failed gentrification efforts and redlining tactics that fuck up a neighborhood creating certain environments and shit that are kind of awful you know like the hood star Um, trek always saving the day and so like i just kind of took it like he's contextualizing living in that kind of a place um but uh (laughs) That's funny, Lindell. Um, but uh, so I really like that. You know, four corners of paranormal get shorn for a thermos and a pair of thermals. So it's kind of showing like how rough and gritty shit is. And he just keeps on running with his whole fucking rush of Aesop style on it. And there's some really fucking cool like parts to it. You know, like just the way that he describes cocaine use with pig like smells like Medellin wake in the night. You know, like what does Medellin smell like? I don't know. It's, but you get the sense that that's a fucking abstract and out there way of saying did, did a line of blow or something. Sounds like that's the kind of people in his world. And maybe I'm a little wrong. Maybe the make a pipe out of anything is the way that it's like the crack actually instead of coke because mm-hmm. now we've moved it into being a pipe. So it's like, wow, that's actually really fucking strong. So when you really look at that, it's the, the smell of crack in the air so just by continuing on the lines it's like you paint out this fucking story and so much cool imagery and shit i really like it i like it a lot 
my favorite part was when he's talking to the girl when he's ordering a cup of coffee and it's like fools ain't shit uh fuck the pigs they can never understand what subner is and that reminds me a lot of some shit that i've like lived through where i lived in areas where people really are on the other side of life and like yo middle class peoples and shit don't necessarily understand that uh, they don't understand how people can live in this other ecosystem and what it is to be there and how it is to have these different standards and shit um, so I like the fact that that whole first verse is attached to the idea of the environment that he was surrounded in because as y'all will come to see you're like he recorded the whole beginning of this project in a fucking barn like right like somebody gave him a fucking barn and like one of the music videos like if somebody's like you want to go live in a barn he's like yeah I do so a lot of the beginning of the beats and shit and all of that came from like that kind of isolated area so i mean i guess he's reflecting back on where he was coming from prior to that anyway i like the bit of the next part like norcal fried bacteria no id survived the vivarium i don't fully get what that means but i feel like it's kind of like starting to top in tap into the idea of identity and who's there right you mm -hmm. know like this is just a person kind of mm -hmm. going through these places and living within these environments um or if you go up a little bit, adopt no exerces, exerces being uh, the Persian king of kings. I actually heard about him in a podcast recently. Uh, fear no moon man. So I don't really get that one as much, but stay true like a wolf wearing wolf pants. So it's like instead well, I think of being it's like fear a, of like the moon, like the man in the moon. But it's also like from that next part, it's kind of like you can Full be moon like because it's a werewolf instead of just being a sheep in wolf's clothing and shit. You like know, there's you, so many like. You got to be like a wolf and wolf yeah. wearing wolf pants. It's like just be more direct in who you are. And I feel like in a lot of ways, it's like he doesn't necessarily belong. So he's trying to like understand who he is in this really weird and abstract way of, of portraying a lot of different visual, like little visuals. Now, I'm not, again, going to go through it all, but the way he rhymes it is so good. The way he flows over that beat just, just rides it. It's like airy. It's like he just dances on it. So as much as it's a complex set of lyrics, you don't actually have to listen to the lyrics. You can kind of just space out and listen to him ride that beat and his and melody and the way like he does a, it like is perfect. And he does have a cadence, like the way that he like speaks and like, puts like emphasis on certain words and stuff like that like it just it does sound cool when he's like rapping i guess right that's that's the thing and on top of that he made the beat so that's a huge part of it as well you know um it's just fucking strong it just feels like like it's meant for him and then it's an alive and diverse beat it doesn't just stay static it feels like mm -hmm. it's everything and emotionally that's happening with the lyrics ends up getting reflected in the instrumental as well and it just this whole like wild touch and then you realize you like what does this song sound like other aesop rock songs sure but who else does this sound like nobody it's so distinct it's so interesting and out there um i'm gonna give it a 4.5 on 5 i don't know if it really is that but i really like it and i want to listen to more of it so that's why i'm giving it with that we're going to on that note are you ready to move on to the next track on this? Yeah. Let's talk about, or let's listen to, I should say, rings. I like the way when people do that shit where they like, um, they kind of drag the outro of one track into the start of the next song. Mm -hmm. That kind of creates an air of continuity with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. They were doing more than acid in the jazz hey. days. That's a big fact. <laughs> um, so really i really i really really appreciate this one in terms of uh like the sound of it before like anything else i just i'm really fucking into the way that he does that rhyme structure 
at the second at the end of it right like the fucking the i love some years a deer and whatever that part there and basically from that part on he manages to make the exact same rhyme structure he copies pasted almost but manages to flip up the content in a way that's just fucking you need to each verse but this sounds fucking cool what do you think your lady friend bonnie so uh according to genius this is about his trials in music and about the years um about like all of the years that he's put into it and how hard you have to like work as an artist uh and sort of like a message to the people wanting to like get into this life like you know wanting to become an artist like it's you know it's sort of like hey it's gonna take years for anything for you to even see any success so um and like figure out what you want to do and like what works and what doesn't and like you know trials and tribulations and like all of that so um and he starts off talking about how he spent so much time being like a visual artist and how he gave up being a visual artist in order to pursue rap which i find is pretty interesting like it's mm. like i like it's it's sad that he gave up one thing to do another but like it's interesting that you're able to like within like you know a certain sphere such as the art sphere like there's lots of ways to be an artist so it's interesting that he found another way to be an artist that worked better for him um and i thought that was kind of cool because i think a lot of people do grow up you know like assuming like an artist is only someone that like you know draws and colors and does like all of that kind of stuff but yeah i think sometimes you forget like there's other ways that you could be an artist um so like i don't really know um, yeah, I don't think I knew about that, like that he did that. Um, I just wanted to mention that. Um, so he's just sort of like looking back and like reflecting on his choices. And I guess he always thought that he, that he would be like a visual artist. And in a way, um, like I thought he was because I thought that he, you know, he still was because I thought that the cover um, was by him, but I don't think it is. And I s still can't find where I put like, like who did the cover but anyways um it's okay <laughs> so i think like being like a visual artist only helps his rap uh you know plus you can do both but like in the sense that it helps his rap because he's able to like draw these images with words and he's mm. able to kind of paint out and like express himself creatively with words that you were able to see exactly what he's talking about so he's able to like still do what he did um, and I think that that's cool that he was able to like just move it to it like a different sort of genre or yeah, I guess genre. Um, and I do like, I love like the Baroque, like harpsichord thing that's like starting at the beginning. Like, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. I like that kind of like feeling and like old school vibe. Like, I don't know. You don't hear a harpsichord too often. So I thought that was cool. I um, don't really hear a harpsichord. You're right. <laughs> so this is not something that I would necessarily listen to like on the regular, but like I definitely understand like his struggle and um, kind of, you know, him looking back. I think this is something that we all do. It's universal truth. So I give this a 4.3 on five. I thought it was kind of cool. So it was at this point that my enjoyment for the album increased because I was really <laughs> delighted by the, the idea of this song. Um, to me it's like a lot of a person thinking back on like the things that they didn't do right because one of the things that yep. I really dig about Aesop Rock's music is the way he tackles getting older because I feel like I struggle a lot with getting older and Aesop Rock just talks about shit that other people don't talk about like with your 30s because <clears throat> yep. he's what in his late 30s as he's making this 
like i don't know the exact age he's at but like i'm pretty sure he's still there and uh i'm like i'm listening to this and it's like he's reflecting and lamenting on this thing he really really wanted to do with his life mm -hmm. and now he's way later on in his life and he hasn't actually gone ahead and did it yo that's really cool <laughs> that's a great comment mr liddy bros i appreciate y'all for real um but uh just the way he goes used to draw hard to admit that i used to draw yo the way he uses his inflection and shit like people don't even understand how amazing that is to me that's that like level of understanding the conversational theatrical dynamics of using his voice as an instrument to convey the exact things but i empathize so fucking heavy with that like even now like sometimes i sit there and i'm doing these things and i'm like am i really doing the things that i really wanted to do i mean yes but you know like there's all those other things that maybe you could have done like i don't know i can't think of any now but maybe there's some shit i'll think of later on in the podcast um there you go and then as he kind of goes on literally portraiture in human form doodle a two-headed unicorn like it was soothing moving his arm to a fusion you can just picture him sitting there and, and the way that you described like actually doing this shit and honestly the rest of the track really just flows in this like he pursued it for a while yep. and then he ended up fucking leaving all that to go pursue the other thing with the hip-hop and stuff and i really just kind of like that i like the idea of how he explores this topic, you know, used to paint, used to explore that. And then, you know, drank Kool-Aid from a tube of acrylic and it grew into linseed olive oil linen. Like just this weird way of taking this art form that had once consumed him and visualizing the elements that create it in a completely different way and trapping it. Like the, the idea of drinking Kool-Aid is, is to be like consumed and obsessed with this thing yeah. in, in a, pos a possibly almost negative th way, you know, like, like an occult-like manner. Yeah. And that's what it feels like that the impact of the painting had on his fucking life. Imagery is ridiculously fire. Um, anyhow, shapes falling out the fringe is a great chorus. All heart, though we would have made cowardly kings. They will chop you down just to count your rings. And then you, it's it's such an interesting chorus. He repeats the discount your rings, but it's almost like at the end of the day, he's reflecting on all of this because he's in a place where he maybe is being forced to count everything that's going on in his life and reassess it all. Like something happened, you know. Like I almost feel like the chorus is breaking the fourth wall and like telling us why he's thinking about these particular things and i think that's fucking cool i mean maybe i'm wrong but like, like that's what i mean like he writes it like almost like a diary like he just like lets everything out uh in his like you know in all of his songs and like i think that that's kind of cool because it feels like very personal like it, it's very like you get to know him like right away and like who he is and what he's been through mm. and like you're there with him in his mind like he's you know he's a bit off right so like he's or you know i don't know what the right term is he's you know a little bit you know weird i guess um Definitely. and so to get into like his head and understand what he's thinking and feeling in like his weird way is cool but it also feels like he's trying to understand himself rather than letting other people kind of dictate it like part of why he had to go live in that barn was to get away from what the expectations of life are and to kind of understand it and in a lot of ways and i just think that hits me heavy because what covid has done is it took me out of the office place and now i'm by myself in a room with bonnie so in a lot of ways i think That's for fun. many of us too like we've been forced to reflect a lot on who we are and kind of do that barn thing like who the fuck have i really talked to outside of webcams and zooms and shit like yeah. i haven't seen a human being 
outside of the grocery store in so fucking long. The guy at the dep across the street is calling me his friend now because like he's like the only person I get to see. Like, you know, I go to the quarter store, or I guess whatever you guys call it, the quarter yeah. store. Um and you know, I get whatever I need from there and then, you know, I chit chat with him for five minutes and that's pretty much my only like outside holding experience. <laughs> But like when I hear the track and the kind of way he's reflecting on ideas like this with his whole life and just thinking about the way that he came about creating this, I'm kind of resonating with how he got to making this album almost more with my own isolation experience makes me feel like I'm a lot more in that introspective place where like I almost feel like I want to be that impossible kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I really love this shit. I think it's uh the beats also ridiculous. It again evolves a lot. It changes a lot. It um works heavy towards like being an alive and intense experience that matches the music. Like the way that the drums and shit drop as he goes with the faster flow or the way that he has these beautiful scratches mixed into this new age sounding beat, taking elements of the best parts of the maybe the more electronic sides of music and blending them with core elements of hip hop to create this fucking pure but new sounding thing and i think that's what i really love about the overall sound he's bringing to the table and as he's flowing ridiculously accessible um it's really easy to ingest this music and just listen to it i like the outro bit the little skit like i'm getting sick and tired and never understanding where is the truth you promised like it shows this frustration with life you know that is kind of we're going to explore a little bit more on other tracks Overall, I think it's it's such a smash. I think it's another four and a half on five for real. I can't call it a five yet. I, I, there's a couple on here that were like definite fucking fives. This is still on that four and a half. I would absolutely bump it again. And I like it a lot. And I think this is truly like this album is how you do an album. Also, the video is sick. I can't play you any of it. But I really like the creativity of like how he like fucking sawed his face in half because I see it in the thumbnail there. Yeah. And then you start seeing like snippets of like him remembering and all the art that got created for this video. Like he was just sitting there and making art therapeutically and then used it for the purpose of it. Like it's so. Well, he probably had years of art collected and it was probably a good excuse to show it off. But it's beautifully done. I really liked it a lot. Uh, so like I said, 4.5. I think we can move on then to listen to the third track on this project, which is a called... A Lot of Years. A Lot of Years. That's what um, I got to say before we talk about this, this shit's from like 2016 and it's Aesop Rock. We're talking about a powerhouse in an underground. The shit is, um, I want to point out, a minute 59 and doesn't have a third verse. That's ahead of its fucking time, is it not? I think it's ahead of its time. There you go. Um... I don't know if I'm going to give it a five. I didn't write a five in my notes, but I'm more inclined to give it a five seeing your comment. Ooh. I'm not even going to lie because I like it more uh, than I liked it before. It grew on me. Yeah. Uh, but how do you feel about this one, Bonnie? Because this one, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is about him uh, and like sort of like the young people that he encounters that are working minimum wage jobs um, and just sort of like... I don't know, his relationship with them, essentially. Um, and he talks about, like, you know, one is, like, a guy, and, like, they talk about tattoos, and, like, the second one is a girl with dreads, and then he has all these, like, wonders about her. Um, and, you know, he talks about, like, what he, like, was like at, like, their ages, and, you know, that he was at a different point and you know he's just kind of like wondering if they're kind of going through some of the same things that he's going through and you know he it seems like he's like seeing like also like the difference in his age compared to like you know what the youth 
like the youth that he sees like that if that, if that makes sense um you know and i guess it is sort of like normal to like reflect on your youth uh, and like the things that you did and you know where you were at certain points you know when you see other people who are younger than you you know like when you start like acknowledging the fact that you're you know getting older yeah i'm really okay with it <laughs> i'm older than you but anyways. i call myself old all the time and people get mad at me old. because if i'm old dot 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 <clears throat> you know i'm at the end i'm at the final year of what you know a lot a lot of like the range of like young adult is you know like the 18 to 34 and i'm like hmm I'm at the end of that. So uh, I'm still in that category, though. So I'll hold on to it as long as possible. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's just kind of about that. It kind of like reflecting again on like his youth. And uh, that's it. So I gave it a 4.4 on 5. But I do feel like, you know, listening to it more, like I do like it more. Like, so I don't yeah, know if I, if I had like here. listened to it like a bunch more, if I would give it a higher grade. Full disclosure, my grades are trash. Nobody should trust my grades as an indicator of a lot. Uh, I originally gave it a 4.5, but I feel like I'm going to go with 4.75. Mm-hmm. There are songs I like more than this one, so it's hard for me to call it a 5. But it's really fucking close because it's pretty amazing for what it is. Um, Aesop is creative. And a lot of things is because, yo, I have my own version of one of these verses. Um, in, in, in Montreal, there's this thing called Illico boxes, which are like... Mm these things that used to exist or whatever and they used to have these games on them and they came from a company called Videotron and you would like play these TV games this was like a thing you could pay for and a lot of people my age and shit grew up playing it and I talked to this kid 20 10 years younger than me and shit and he had no idea what the fuck I was talking about and I was like oh fuck oh shit I'm one of the old ones now and it's like I don't mean it like I'm old but it's more like what Aesop's going through here. Yeah. This is my future. <laughs> this is the rest of my life. Uh, he's like talking about that first kid in Baskin Robbins there. And it's like, you know, there's a tattoo on his, his thing. So while he's reflecting on this arm tattoo that Aesop has, that's really fucking cool and shit. And he's like, I like it, but I'm looking at your neck tattoo and it's bolder and it's stronger and it's everything I used to be. And down to like, the message is immediate. The guy F's chicks. And it's just like, <laughs> yup, that guy gets laid. And I have my little arm tattoo here. This used yeah. to indicate that I got laid, and now it does not. Now his neck tattoo is that. I'm, uh, I'm not doing, I'm not doing as well. And it, why is this happening to me? Why do I care what this little kid is here? Why is he making me feel so old with his? youthful manliness and i'm like his existence basically oh he's got a neck tattoo and then it's like i can't get a neck tattoo because then i'm the old guy with the neck tattoo (laughs) and it's just like this reflection of i i'm it's over for me (laughs) in a sense like and it's irrational because the truth is it's dope being in your 30s but like you still have these moments and i kind of like how he flips it with the juxtaposition of the whole idea with the second one it made me laugh a lot. He's basically at the juice place getting juice, which is already a sign of a modern thing that he's not necessarily completely out of touch, right? Like, I think it's a subtle thing. Like, and we're talking 2016, like juice is still kind of the new hip thing to do. So he's actually on, on that health point doing yep. all that stuff. So it's an ironic move, I think, to use this example a little bit, even though it's a real story, according to him. Um, and then with that, you basically have him kind of ordering his shit and she has great hair and his hair's trash. And I like, he's like, my hair was underwhelming. My juice was fucking great. That is possibly <laughs> one of the best lyrics on the album. It's not the best. The best is coming up on a, on a special track. Um, 
but it's up there right because it's so basic it's like i know exactly what it's like to be sitting there with underwhelming hair ordering something next to a youthful person with great hair thinking about how i once used to have great hair and i used to care about shit like brushing my hair before i left the apartment to go order stuff yeah um and now I'm old, and i'm old that's the truth like i was having a conversation with one of my colleagues who's even older and his basic mentality was, remember when you were 22 and you sucked your chest in everywhere? And I stopped and said, oh shit, when did I stop doing that? You used to like suck your fucking chest in everywhere so that you wouldn't look anyway. You'd always look your best. And then sometime you stop doing that one day. I don't know when it is, but that's the day you start going down the path that Aesop is experiencing <laughs> in this that's fucking track. That's the indicator. Um, and then I like how he's like, able to like she's described such a basic thing i grew up my hair i took them off and then i can put them back on and i can reuse my hair and attach them and he's sitting there going that's amazing and i'm like that is amazing why i never think that i have long hair is there a way i can do that i can make my own hair reattachable why did i never think of that it's so fucking simple and then he's like the future's amazing and he starts fantasizing about the rest of shit and it's so optimistic and i like how it's like uh, two ways you can look at the youth being an older person coping with aging explored in this track and i really i, I fucked with it heavy because it spoke to me in an ethereal way um so yeah uh i don't know i don't know if bonnie's gonna dance i don't think bonnie maybe is feeling it in her soul to like i am but bonnie can maybe bust a dance not with the cat on her the second the cat yeah. showed up there's no dancing <laughs> happening but yeah i think i'll give it a 4.75 the beat again incorporates a lot of scratching it's a really interesting mix of old and new and it really just fits this everything about it is amazing i like the questioning he does i like the way he's introspective with his music i think in a lot of ways he's aging in a way that keeps him relevant and it's really cool and now that he's an older guy with a lot of like self-reflection going on, let's listen to Dorks. All right, Bonnie, what do you think about this song uh, in general? I wonder how much it resonates with you. Uh, um, I definitely like the beat on this one. Um, I just want to start off with that. Um, and it starts off with this question. Question, if I died in my apartment like a rat in a cage, would the neighbors smell the corpse before the cat ate my face? It's a very big question. I think about yeah. that sometimes. Yeah, all the time. I feel like anybody that has a cat thinks about that, especially if you live by yourself. Like, you know, would, like, if you die and you're just, you know, dead on the floor, I feel like there's, like, that meme where you just, like, see, like, like you're dead and then, like, the cat just goes up to you and then just, like, sleeps on, like, just sits on your hip. Like, just doesn't give a shit, like just uses you for what they've always used you for. So um, I like that, so, and that's kind of what it's like. And I also liked the, like, a rat in a cage because it makes me think of Smashing Pumpkins. And um, and such a good song. Anyways, and so anyway, it is a good question. Um, yeah, is there an answer? I don't know. Um, they may just eat your eyeballs. I don't know what to tell you. Um so always overfeed your cats. And I think that's something that, you know, we all think about. So it seems like he's alone a lot and almost sort of likes that or like the fact that he's kind of like a loner and, you know, he says he's a weirdo and probably just because a lot of people have also called him a weirdo. I know I have. So, um, he, you know, he gets it. And um, sort of like, you know, basically people are kind of weird and insecure and do sort of 
weird things in public and in front of the, each other and people always like act weird and uh, mostly because they're nervous and I you know I feel like I can definitely attest to that I feel like most people can attest to that that you know we've done stupid shit like without thinking about it just because we're nervous or weird and we're like why the fuck did we do that like why did we behave like that why did we say that like what you know what, what was i thinking like you know like that kind of thing like you do these things and you're like wow that felt just so irrational why did i do that um so yeah anyways and like that's why they're the dorks um i guess in like his opinion but i feel like everybody kind of feels like that at some point but um it definitely has like a lot of like interesting thoughts like mixed into like the lyrics and um like things to think about and like little tidbits like i'm not going to go through like every single line but don't worry uh, i have a lot to say <laughs> yeah you'll have a lot to say so anyways i give it a 4.25 but i feel like again like i should have probably given i feel like you know i would have given it like maybe like a 4.4 um you know have a listen to it like one more time. So I don't know. Maybe I was in a weird headspace when I rated this, but you know, that's four point two five. It is because I'm not redoing my math. Okay, this one's gonna <laughs> be a, a bit of a, a line because you gotta understand. Oh. We're gonna start. Well, actually, the question is really interesting. I think he asked it because about the irrelevancy that people may feel or whatever, but also because it's so interesting and it's just a floss on like, yo, y'all can rap about whatever you want to rap about, but I guarantee you people are going to listen to this question and they're going to fucking talk about it. And it's just a humble flex in the sense that he used to, and then because he follows it up with, I used to floss the albatross like daddy came with the chain. I'm trying to jettison the ballast with the hazardous waste. So in a sense, I think what he's trying to do is this mission statement of altering how he is as a person, you know, not to be so flexy and to go more humanistic with it and get rid of the toxicity of uh, the grandiosity of his flossing. Oh, that's cool. But I find it so interesting that that's like the only thing you talked about and then kind of got vague with it because I heard a completely different track in this <laughs> and I have to say that it was really like there were some lines in here that really popped out at me yeah. in particular because um, I started doing interviews in Montreal and like I can tell you in two months a lot of people have said a lot of things to me so I know some shit about your heroes that you wouldn't believe is some real shit to me. Um, I think we're all a bunch of weirdos on a quest to belong. The songs are eloquent, uh, are echolation up in impregnable fog. That's why it's odd to see a pile of imperfections and flaws ascend to a pedestal and patronize the rest of the cogs. Like, so we call that the Montreal problem. Whatever city <laughs> you're in, you're going to call it your own problem. Every local scene has this problem is what I'm coming to like learn. And what I realized is this shit's about dorks. Like, motherfuckers in your game that are just dorks with that shit, you know? Like, there are people that are really, really about that, about that. And they make moves, and they do their lives, and they run through their shit. And then there's some fucking dorks in their shit that just happen to be clones of other people and want to go through it all and proceed to, you know, think they're the shit. And a lot of times, these dorks get a lot of clout because they sell their souls for the sake of publicity or they do a lot of things that maybe even get them a lot of attention. But they just kind of look like dorks after because how they got that attention is fucking dorky. Mm, and that's what okay. this song's looking at. Like, you fucking dorks ain't a threat to the cause. There ain't a lesson we can learn from the ostensibly lost. So that's why when people go out there and talk their shit, like, I'ma do this, I'ma do that, it's like, who fucking cares? What are you actually doing? You're talking, you're talking, you're being a fucking dork. Whereas, I don't know, I'm not saying I'm a successful motherfucker, but I've certainly put in the work to fail eloquently upwards. What am I learning from you, the person who has 
started Googling like this fucking week. You know what I mean? Like there are people who start doing some Googles and think they've become fucking experts. And it's like, I've lost so much money failing that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, yeah. I promise. And you just see this shit and people act away and they come at you and they talk a lot of shit and whatever, whatever. So it's like, I feel like in a lot of ways, this is about this cult of people that believe in this toxic environments and try to be like these hero complex motherfuckers and how they behave and create a certain level of discomfort for the real ones and he's just kind of acknowledging at the end of the day all this shit's kind of dorky and fuck them all and you know what when you make moves in your life you start to empathize with that shit heavy i think and um when i listen to this and you go through the whole track it's all of it man like that second verse though is big because it's basically like you guys are just shitting on people that you know are exactly like you. Like you're supposed to be better than that. It's like when a media source is created by an artist and then makes their money make off of the dollars of artists. I'm not gonna say names, but like there's people that like will charge X amount of dollars for promotion, but they were formerly artists to know the harm that they're causing these people. You know, like there's these people out there that they're just, it's kind of dorky. They're not really about what they mm. say that they're about, you know? And then that third verse, you know, braggadocious behavior whatever it's all the fucking same kind of core content and it's just an amazing track so with this track on the album it's hard to give a lot of years the same greg because i like it a lot more this one's a five on five the oh, beats wow. fucking phenomenal everything about this track is phenomenal look there's a lot of ways i've seen people try to slap the mainstream and bad behavior and what he did was he talked about the behavior he did not like you don't actually hear him talking about a lane, a rapper. You don't actually hear him talking about a type of like occupation or anything. It's specifically a bunch of insecurities and behaviors that he fucking dislikes that makes people dorks in his mind. And you, the listener, are capable of attaching all the shoes to the right feet to know exactly what the fuck he's talking about. This might be one of the best versions of this song I've ever encountered for how well written it is. So big ups to Aesop Rock for, for doing that. Because if you're going to write a song that's been written a million fucking times before, you kind of have to do something other people aren't doing with it. So I really like that a lot. So either way, you don't have to agree with me. Life is so unfair. You party over there, I'll be over here or whatever. It is what it is. Five on five. Let's move on to the next one. The next track that we're going to listen to together. You know we've all listened to these beforehand, right? So for all y'all watching, like we've, we've reviewed this yeah. before we started recording. Anyway, the next one we're going to talk about is called Rabies. Your lady friend, Bonnie, what do you feel about this one? Yeah, I mean, this one is definitely like a trip and like, so um, apparently like Aesop spent uh, a year living in the countryside in a barn writing this album. So um, that's interesting. And like, I think <laughs> like it's, it makes sense. Yeah. And, You're the you type know. of person that wants to run away and basically live in a cabin. What's the difference between a cabin and a barn? Fair enough. Or like a van. Um, and like he definitely seems like a real artist, um, like by doing like weird ass shit like this, because like, you know, I've only ever heard of like, you know, artists, mostly white, uh, doing weird hippie shit like this. So like maybe in like today's view, it kind of comes off like a little privilege to be able to take a year off and go like sit in a barn. But it still works and I like it. And I think it is definitely like a new experience for him because I think he grew up in like like I think a city um, and so it's you know he went and lived in the country and that's always fun um, 
I think like he, you know, I think he just talks about like the experiences that he experienced while like living in like the country, and you know he talks about like cat leaving vole at my feet. I said, you know, and like that's honestly like a super normal country thing that I've experienced uh, several times. Our cat used to leave you know treasures for us at our front door all the time, like and so like that would be something you know, and it would could be voles and it could be a muskrat or it could be whatever the fuck she found. Um, and then you'd be like a heart and liver like on like mm. the ground and you'd be like, oh, sweet. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, he talks about like feeding an apple to a deer and, um, you know, that apples, you know, deers love apples. No, and... that part's okay. We have to expand that. We can't just say that. I know, but like he's also talking no, about other things. That no, I think because it's all tied into it. So because the whole last like eight like bar, last four bars are all like one like set up to I'd rather feed an apple to a deer. So you can't just right. like isolate that. I'm just saying like the, like that was like an instance of like country things that mm. you know was happening and like I get there's more to it and like there's a whole story to this. Um, but I just think it was interesting. I think like he, I think he's just kind of experiencing like country life, rural rural life. Um, isolation and loneliness and being creeped out a little bit because he talks about being in a barn full of spiders and then he talks about um like is it like a scratching or is it like a monster or something he says like something like that um i can't i don't have like the exact uh lyric but like i think that's sort of like nighttime maybe he's out on like a walk at night in like the woods or something like that and he's hearing these noises and like you know, his imagination is running wild. And um, so it's just kind of like that idea, like just, you know, it's a different, you know, life experience, I guess. Um, and I think like he's just kind of like describing like how maybe it wasn't quite what he, like it wasn't quite what he thought it was going to be like. Um, and I think that kind of what was it like that touches back on like the one of the earlier songs like you know when things aren't quite what you expect them to be and maybe a little bit worse so like that's kind of like what he's like right. like maybe it's worse for him but you know him being alone but he's able to obviously write this album so hey that's cool so um not exactly poor yeah and i don't know it's a good story and it's a, it's interesting to listen to so i gave it a 4.25 all right. Um, so in a lot of ways, I think you touched on a lot of it. This is the other kind of song I find he's really good at where he has experiences and he gets a lot of visualized ideas based on that experience. And you're mm -hmm. basically getting a living journal of it. But then he just adds little shit like yeah. cat leaving voles at my feet, talking master P, memory foam on everything. Like that's an amazing fucking like juxtaposition of ideas, something so regular, but also kind of tying it into something so fucking hip hop and something so powerful because Master P is a boss ass rich idea just when you hear the name. So I like how he did that. In a sense, this is like the gift of the cat. I don't know, I might be fucking up the bars. I'm just thinking on the fly and I'm a little high. Bear with me, people. Um, but what really caught me on this track that I thought was super noteworthy was that last little bit. Because basically somewhere around this, he's like, now pets hit the ceiling with the wind blows, fish float, belly sombers crash into windows. He's talking about like flies and shit, right? Mm -hmm. So like swizzle, apple cider, vinegar, and dish up. Because yo, in the country, there's more flies. That's probably something as a city person, you're probably not really accustomed to off the jump is going to be flies. Yep. In Pakistan, I went to like a farming area village 
stage and their amount of flies was unholy and it was a great <laughs> test of my abilities to like not freak the fuck out but it was a lot of flies so i could see how you end up doing some shit like and i i learned in this song that if we ever have flies because somebody leaves a fucking dragon fruit hidden on a table again and we get fruit flies for three weeks um is a true story happen. it happened uh we can use apple cider vinegar and dish up now to deal with those flies apple cider you know? vinegar solves so then, many problems then as he kind of like considers the actual shit of this he feels weird about the idea of killing all these fucking flies and convincing them to die on some like suicidal mission that they're gonna go get this sweet thing knowing it's over he's gonna consider the apple and wants to feed that to a deer showing how much she actually values animal life down to a fucking fly and getting you to reconsider things like what you're actually doing when you commit the you know murder of a million flies in your home because they're bzzz and it bothers you and shit which i get i totally feel a weird mix of emotions when i commit that slaughter i'm not i'm not saying i'm a bigger man like aesop i'm saying I feel things that and I consider it so I like the fact that in the midst of this spastic you know vivid imagery we're able to get like little pro environmental messages tucked into it showing his ethos in a different kind of light he almost tricks you into caring about flies because you know why would you want to kill yeah, a bunch of flies so. when you could feed an apple to a deer and I think that just shows how brilliant he is um, I like this one a lot I don't even remember what I gave it uh, I give it a, uh, what is this one? Yeah, I give it a 4.1. This might have been one of my least, I like it a lot in the sense of like, compared to average people, it's super enjoyable. But as far as the album goes, it is definitely not one of the ones I was as attached to. It's equally as good. I just felt it less. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. It's called Supercell. Speaking of true crime, what do you think about ghosts? I like them. Okay, tell me more. <laughs> I saw a ghost once. Maybe twice, actually. But, yeah. I think they're cool. That uh, is the worst ghost story in the history of behind that suit. <laughs> well, I think they're fine. And as long as they don't hurt me, then that's cool. What do you think of the song called uh, Ghost? Or is it Supercell? Sorry. It's called Supercell. My bad. Uh, anyways, so he's basically just talking about himself and saying how he's not really sure um, of what vision like he is when he's with people versus like being alone, I think. Um, and like the whole like vibe and like the beat sounds kind of like alieny and it kind of has like that like alieny vibe. Well, I mean, you, you, you just heard it. So, um, yeah. So, uh, like, there's he's talking about in like the second verse uh, about Christmas and how he's going to be alone um, in the country on on Christmas and just kind of like dealing with that and like you know that he's going to be away from everybody and he's just going to be absorbed absorbed in his thoughts you know on Christmas Day um, and talks about like in like the third verse, like kind of fleas and the worms and sort of like the fun stuff that like animals get when out in nature, like ticks and all that other stuff. And, you know, I've had ticks and, you know, no Lyme disease though. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, that that's just part of nature, right? Um, and, you know, he's always kind of like sharing his findings on, uh, Christians and sort of like how like they you know kill to survive and 
uh, isn't killing in all forms bad. So maybe Christians aren't like the kind people that they like appear to be. I mean, old news, right? Um, yeah. And that's pretty much it. It's just sort of like his observations, his thoughts on like a bunch of different random things. And uh, it's kind of creepy and cool. And yeah, I like this one. I gave it a 4.5. I enjoyed it. I like I like it a lot. I don't know that I can go <laughs> as deep into it. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I gave it a 4.35. I feel like my favorite part is like the bridge, the way it kind of spaces out. I really like the chorus. I like the idea of ghost. I like the idea of feeling like a ghost. Um <clears throat> Basically, when I was hearing it, I kind of got this juxtaposition of like, you know, like it could be like an actual haunting, you know, like he's kind of watched a bunch of horror movies recently. And so he's kind of popping into this kind of thing. So it's a bunch of tropes I see from like scary movies that get laced throughout this track. So like a systemic Catholic or a sigil to me, a Baphomet unraveling some occult shit, you know, that sounds like, you know, some horror movie stuff. But then even later on, uh, for a master of puffets, a satirist cupboards, you know, not Jerry Creamer, you know, it's just the kind of little uh, lines. I hope nobody gets ticks on dicks. <laughs> yeah, that sounds terrible. Um, so I just kind of felt like that, you know, like a dark twist on like all of that shit. But really, it felt like he's kind of moving in this world and he's watching all this shit and he's seeing all this stuff unfold and he's like a ghost. I think like it's stuff like soon enough i will estrange you all i get ghost you know like it's kind of him like you know what fuck all of this shit i'm out i'm ghosting on all of y'all mm-hmm. i'm going out to the barn or wherever he ends so i think he still lives out in isolation as opposed to living around people or like when he goes anyway mary mary go make soup out of bones you just know when the room go cold i'm a ghost not i line hate with me because i'm notorious at work for like everybody's having a good time and then Holden opens his mouth and says some shit and everyone's depressed after. And it just feels like, you know, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying it feels like I'm a ghost, but like that line just hit me like that. So like, I feel like there's a sense of like not connecting with people. So it almost feels easier to float through life like this ghost and just go over there. And, you know, you watch all this shit that other people don't see and whatnot. And I feel like with his analytical mind, he he doesn't connect with people and shit the way that a lot of whatever. Um, I really appreciate the overall tone. I feel like a lot of this track is just obscure imagery of trying to like convey this like emotional tone, and he delivers it really eloquently over this crazy airy beat that I really enjoy listening to. And again, with the scratches in a positive way, um, I give it I give it a four point three five. Like I said, I don't have as much to say about this one. Trust, I'll have more to say about the next one. So um, why don't we talk about Blood Sandwich? Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing with us. <laughs> Ta-da! I'm not really one to believe in ghosts. Like I don't believe in them. It's not like I was searching for them. The but possibility like... that things happen that can be perceived as ghosts. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about blood sandwich? <laughs> So this one is apparently like a middle child song, and he is a mid- middle child to two brothers. Um, and he's just kind of talking about like his brother and like I think one of them more than the other, or maybe I don't know, both, um, you know, kind of like in like the 80s and, you know, growing up and what it was like and, you know, a lot about baseball and, you know, like him trying to like – like he him trying to live up to his like other brothers um and it just kind of you know and like he 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 does talk about growing up in like a a relatively like you know strict religious christian uh household um 
you know, I don't know. He talks about like his him, you know, the devil being in a, a, a band or something like that. And so I don't know who he was talking about, but you know, it's not something that's uh, super original. Uh, you know, we have heard that before, and um, but it does kind of sound like the perfect American life. And uh, you know, usually I do like hearing like real stories in music, but this one is kind of just like so basic and like not really about any like real struggles just like him trying to like I agree with you at all. like inner struggles i guess more like he's just trying to like <clears throat> like deal you know be as cool as his brothers um just like another sort of middle class story but like maybe it's just like my interpretation of it like at this point in I my life um you know and just like kind of like a reminder to call your siblings um you know reach out um so it's not my favorite song uh, overall i didn't really like love this one but i appreciate the story uh so i gave it a four on five sometimes bonnie gives her review to something and i'm just sitting there like what is she saying this is the opposite of how i feel this is like one of the best songs on the album in my opinion because it talks about these weird complexities through really basic situations such as like the disdain for animal life in middle america right so look at that first verse he's thinking back on his brother and also just the weird things that happen in our youth that like scar us that give us these kinds of little trauma points that nobody ever wants to talk about because uh, nobody dealt with situations so in that first verse the misunderstanding of adult authority figures that's actually a better way to put it the misunderstanding of adult authority figures and how to handle a situation creating mistrust and trauma through a fucked up situation so look at that first thing he's thinking back on his little brother he was eight he's uh, aesop's 10 at this point aesop's 10 years older than me so he's 43 now um yeah that's that we're old as fuck <laughs> Um, but like anyway, so he's describing they're at this game or whatever, and then all of a sudden some Grammy points at a gopher, and all of a sudden you know the kids are getting distracted from the game because there's a gopher there, right? So everybody's having a good time. Hey, look a cute little gopher! But this coach guy gets kind of fucking mad, so he takes his baseball bat right. and he smashes the fucking gopher and just yeah. murders it, and then just chucks it over and is like, "Get back to your game!" But there's no more game anymore. Everybody's kind of fucked up, and it just kind of ends. And I think it's like these are the little moments that actually transpire throughout life that nobody really talks about that actually are mm. kind of some weird shit. So when he hits up that chorus where he's like, my little brother is a funny dude, a lot of funny shit happened to him. He gave you a basic thing with this like over implication that this is just a simple little one that happened. Imagine all the other shit that went on in his life, you know? Right. <laughs> And then he describes it, my other brother, pretty funny too, ain't seen him in a minute though, maybe describing that there's some disparity at home in terms of like, you know, being with his brother or whatever, I relate to that, I haven't talked to my brother in a minute though, it's kind of what it is, it's unfortunate, we're probably not going to be able to mend that gap anytime soon, yep. sometimes you just live in a way that's diametrically opposed to your sibling, and as much as blood is supposed to be thicker than water. Yeah, um, unfortunately we both have siblings that we don't, or a sibling that we don't talk to. But it's like sometimes it's like you choose to live your life in a way and then this person is just literally your hater. Like mm -hmm. and then you're like, what am I going to do with that energy? I don't know. Maybe I'm living wrong. Maybe I'm living right. That's just kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. But then the second verse is something that like literally has happened in my life. OK, <laughs> like not just some hyperbolic shit. It, it's actually a big kind of untalked about thing. If you come from a Christian household, like super Christian is the way I put it. Like, yo, my dad like was not letting me listen to like 
some like uh, like i will never forget he pulled me into a room and played crazy train and said this is demonic music it's all satan and this and that the next thing and we're christian right so we can't be having this kind of stuff up in the house so he told me as they lay dying was really sinful and satanic music because they're legitimately more like hardcore sounding now why i say this because this is as they lay dying back when they're in like their super christian phase before all the stuff happened i don't know if they still qualify as a christian band but at this point they most certainly fucking were christian peoples across the board doing their thing right and yo what's up so like basically he fucking like trip balls on me and all this other shit and like it was like a big deal it's like i remember one time my dad snapped all of my fucking cds like he just Ugh. snapped yo you gotta understand how long it takes to collect cds when you're young with columbia house and shit and he yo, he heard me listening to i think it was the eight mile side track and he heard all the swearing and he snapped like fucking everything if you stick around at the end for sure i like that idea um I digress. Uh, so we just at the point where it's like we look at what's happening here. He's got this ministry thing. And, you know, the the, the song's called Christ is Risen to Christ. And he's listening to this stuff that's kind of edgy. And mom is like super Christian and this, that, the next thing. So she kind of like fucks with his emotions and lets him buy the concert tickets. And at the last minute, takes a look at the, the branding, buys a little magazine, reads two things, doesn't really talk to the kid, doesn't do anything, just fucking shuts it down and ends it, which creates a lack of trust with an authority figure in your life. And I know it sounds so fucking basic, but maybe people wouldn't be so fucked up if parents didn't do shit like this is more what I think the point of it is, right? Like, that's a funny thing, right? Right. Because when you're like 15 and you're like waiting for like the concert of the fucking year, there's nothing in the world that like matters to you more than that. And then to have your mom like fucking snatch it from you like that on some shit, like that's going to create some trust issues possibly. Not like, is it like kind of petty? N maybe. Like maybe if you're comparing it to some serious shit, okay, fine. But I think the point is this is a lot more close to home to a lot of people, but actually still has an impact that people should be giving a shits about. So I really thought this song was pretty interesting. And it really made me think about my relationship with my brother and the stuff we grew up with and some of the more basic things, not even the complicated things. And maybe we all should evaluate these little basic moments a little more. So I think it's really cool. And I give it a five because the beat's also really great. Yeah. Uh, the beat to me is really wonderful. I can't remember it enough to describe it in this moment, but I fucking fucks with it heavy. All right, let's go on to the next track, which is called Get Out the Car. This is another one of my favorite tracks on this project. Um, what do you think of this one, Bonnie? Um, so I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's you know he's talking about sort of like dealing with um, uh, a fellow rapper friend uh, that passed away and him kind of going to the country to get away from things and to kind of like focus on his work and to i guess grieve at the same time you know he's just trying to deal with like himself and like his own spirituality and like his own like i think mortality as well um and i think he's having a hard time like dealing with life and i think he gets stuck in his own head too often um like i think it's, that's kind of what he's saying um and he has to like tell himself to like like maybe like go like get out of the car and go do what he's kind of meant to do um i mean that's my opinion i'm not sure if that's quite exactly what it is um but for me like i felt like it as more of like a like a personal struggle kind of in a song 
Um, and he's he's just kind of like self self assessing like what is he going to do next? Like, you know, where is he at? You know, all of these things happened and he's just kind of like here alone and he's just kind of like backed away from everything and from everyone. And he just, you know, just trying to figure things out. So it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like a bit on like the sadder downer kind of like vibe, but um, it's, it's still good. So I gave it a 4.2 on five. So as I understand it, uh, the relationship Aesop had with, um, sorry just Camu Tao was that this guy was like the dopest rapper he um, was the glue that held a lot of things together in the beginning part he was like a guy he looked up to but also that helped him laugh and kind of enjoy life a little more and then he unfortunately passes away and then he's kind of lamenting and reflecting on life but yo what I like about this is you can literally picture yourself sitting in your car I don't know if you've ever actually had a car but I've definitely <laughs> driven and had a car and I've had those moments where like you get to where you're going whether it's home whether it's whatever and you just kind of sit there and something happens and it triggers you and you just fucking let your mind wander and this is this is kind of what that feels like here and he's just kind of yeah. lamenting on life and people and everything like i recall thinking someday someone's going to say it's all from some cause and effect and i couldn't just fathom blaming a whole new page on a made-up chain reaction and i like the fact that he's challenging basic language in this song because yo, some of these fucking statements people make are stupid like <laughs> yo it's just some cause and effect that yo sometimes life is also just random right like maybe everything happens for a reason and it does but also yep. maybe that person's loss isn't some cause and effect and it isn't going to measure it's just some shit people say to make you feel better to cope with a situation and i like that he's kind of like trying to absorb this and the changes that have happened to him as he kind of flows through it um that's mm. that's serious thank you for that scribble his homie that was also part of a group with cage um because yeah like it was like he was pretty much fucking around with a lot of players back then uh that i don't remember the name of it but the fucking record label with lp and them that that was around that era um anyway so time passes he's feeling away um and he's just i like it's all been a blur since move got sick none of the subsequent years stood a chance whether you was moms or his mans whether he was pops or his girls i was poisoned heart full of canines head full of voices who's like so it's like you get the sense that he hasn't been able to get a grip on his world and it's been a chaotic mess and he's um, kind of like caught up inside of this this emotional ride that comes when you lose somebody that kind of holds you down like that. Um, then at the end of it, I kind of feel like the last thing I really like uh, was another one. Fuck, I'm trying to find it. What he said. Um, basically another one of these little things knowing is half the battle that's a bullshit quip written by some asshole and it's true because yo people know a lot of things and then do fuck all of it so you can just sit around stoned in your car not doing shit halfway to nil being cranky so i think in a in a sense he's kind of like being self-aware of how like indulgent this verse is and how non-productive it is and he knows all these things and in a sense he's just kind of putting this song together with the effort of like at the end of the day communicating almost to himself when you're feeling like this at the end of the day just get out the car go fucking go deal with your shit you know yeah. you can you can be self-indulgent and that's a lot of knowing but it's not actually accomplishing anything so i think it's a really really fucking nifty song i give it a four and a half point five i think it's fucking dope and the next track on this one is truly fucking special if you haven't heard it before mm -hmm. uh it's called kirby no it's called shrunk oh all right, Bonnie, what do you think about the Shrunk track? Well, this one is good. Um, I think it definitely plays uh, 
perfectly well in like kind of like the story that he's kind of telling on this album like you know like that was maybe he was getting needed to get out of the car and actually go to therapy because i think that's kind of what this song is about um in my opinion and like oh my god there is that story arc (laughs) right like he just needed to to just go and do this um for himself and like just kind of deal with that um, and I think that that's kind of he's playing on the word shrink, like, like a therapist shrunk. Um, so I th- well, it's because it's like the past tense. Like you go see a shrink, and then after that, you're shrunk. Yeah, I don't know if that's accurate or if people just say that, but I think I mean, he's saying that. Yeah, but anyways, uh, you know, he definitely he is talking about that he has a, a lot of issues um, to discuss and deal with, and you know, feel through. Um, you know, so he's, you know, obviously, which we, you know, heard about uh, up until now. Um, I, I just wanted to mention that I really like the drums uh, on this one. I very much enjoyed drums. I like listening to that, to that. So that was fun. Um, but back on the therapist thing, he's just kind of like talking about that and he, that he doesn't necessarily trust the opinion or, or diagnosis necessarily of, of this therapist and that he's just kind of like going through the motions and um, he's just sort of like built up a wall around him and like he's just he's doing what he knows is the right thing to do but I don't know if he's necessarily getting mm. that much out of it but he's like well I have the certification I've done my you know blank amount of weeks uh, of you know therapy I did it for a year and here I am I'm all better now like but like you know, it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to live it. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting song. I give it a four on five. Um, I think this is one of those tracks where the music video really, really enhances the story arc of the track by doubling down on the capitalistic mm-hmm. elements of it uh, because it kind of breaks out the idea of Aesop Rockland and therapy as a video game and like an arcade and in the video throughout the different phases as the song progresses it has this insert coins insert coins insert coins right (laughs) and if you think about therapy it's motherfucking expensive is the truth of the situation it's very very expensive and um there's a lot of bureaucracies and things like that Mm -hmm. that go into it so when you really run it it kind of feels sometimes like a business like it's like you know not necessarily curing anything it's just kind of like drugs and i'm not hating on therapy I'm telling you what I'm interpreting from the overall tone of that, like, general vibe I'm getting off of the, the team Aesop's on. I'm not really team go see a therapist either. I'm on team, like, isolate in the woods and figure out your shit, personally. Um, but that first verse is nifty because you can get the sense that he's filling out the form. That's the first thing you're going to do when you're actually doing this shit. And I love the story acting. I didn't even think of that. So, y'all... All of a sudden, blood sandwich, you're recollecting on your youth. Okay, maybe things are fucking weird. So you're going to go try to deal with this situation, right? Because he calls his brother. He tries to rectify it. It shows a level of, like, activeness. I can't do the whole album. I wasn't thinking about it, but I can do this, right? Then in this next part, he deals with the therapy in this track after getting out the car, which you're right. He's dealing again with past traumas, and he's exploring that. Then you move into this next track, Shrunk, where it kind of explores him trying to deal with therapy in a conventional sense. Holy shit, that's fucking blessed, Bonnie. That is fucking blessed. That yeah, is I'm amazing. Yeah, I'm a genius. No biggie. Um, 
and then uh you kind of have like the whole thing where the second verse you're in the waiting room you've after you fill out the form and you know it's the form because my first name is a random set of numbers and letters and other alphanumerics that changes hourly forever right so you know you just kind of with the form he's like wasting time writing it out just it's the kind of shit you're thinking about etc etc and then you're in the waiting room in the second verse and you just kind of your mind's kind of blowing etc and then finally you get into the fucking therapy session and i love how it starts like she says i'm not your enemy i said that sounds like something my enemy would say instead of playing off the chemistry which is kind of like saying yo as a therapist it's kind of your job to figure me out as a person and just kind of vibe with me and yeah. roll with me it's not really my job to make your life fucking easier you know she said you're being difficult i said i'm being guarded you're a quarter million dead i get more guidance from my barber and that's an amazing si uh, idea too because yep. there is probably a lot of like fiscal situations going on with therapy that get attached to that debt situation whereas the barber really doesn't benefit necessarily from your misery he's just trying to make your life better but he also makes a dollar and shit i don't know she goes you put your built your walls but up like also like i think uh he's kind of talking that like I think people do once they sit in like my sister's a hairdresser and so like I kind of get like her the the stories mm. um you know and she talks about the fact that you know people really do open up to her and they do kind of use her as a shrink Big facts. um and you know she's like I don't know I think maybe because I don't know why they do that but maybe just because it's quite an intimate thing you know the cutting of the hair and there's no place to go and they have to be still and you know it gives them a chance to think and they're staring at themselves I don't know what it is but uh just wanted to mention that that's fair and thanks for the follow I appreciate you mm -hmm. Ta yes when I don't know how to say that I'm sorry I'm terrible at the names part <laughs> but another day like he flows through and it's like yo at the end of the day you get she's like trying to like get all specific and diagnose him and put it in a way instead of like trying to like figure it out she said when you start getting all expressive and symbolic it's impossible to actualize an honest diagnostic i said when you start getting all exact and algebraic i'm reminded it's a racket not a rehabilitation like and he's he's got a really big point if you think about what he's actually saying here like yo how am i supposed to come in here and you're trying to routinely put me through a bunch of stages to answer your questions so you can get to the conclusion as quick as possible so you can accomplish your goals so you can get it all there when really it's not about my health it, it's like it's a racket it's really you're just trying to make some money you're trying to find out the right drugs to give me the right this and that it's really not about my rehabilitation and i thought that was super fucking powerful then anyway, the end of the day, will there be another appointment? Absolutely. I'm shrunk. I'm caught in this misery. I'm in this cycle. I go through it all. And I think it's really fucking cool. I think it's a really great track. I think it talks about some real shit because not even a lot of people talk about the fact that they deal with therapy. Um, and I think it's a very cool look at when therapy doesn't work for you. Yo, one time I tried to do therapy when I was young. I walked in. The, the lady was like, hmm, you smoke cigarettes. This antidepressant will help you stop smoking cigarettes. Have a good day. And it was one session I got a prescription. This is Montreal, <laughs> Quebec. This is like, I don't know, 2008, 2009? So like not even that long ago. So like I totally get what he's talking about. This shit is not really about rehabilitation. Motherfuckers will hand out pills for fucking free on a whim. Found out after the fact, this same company that pushed the pills was having trouble selling them and there was financial yeah, incentive. Like so literally, I'm a person that big pharma pushed pills upon once upon a time in my life anyway so i feel this shit yo 4.5 on 5 it's a really cool song with an amazing music video mm -hmm. i must talk about the one i thought we were going to talk about before mm -hmm. it's called kirby
Oh, this is a great song. How do you feel about it, Bonnie? Yeah. Um, I, I do really like this one. Um, so this one is all about his cat, Kirby. So I very much like the topic. Uh, I have two cats of my own, you know. Uh, so, so, so just yesterday, or the day before, I'm sitting there. Mona! Mona, stop! I walk out. What's she doing? She's trying to eat a leaf. And I'm like, then I heard the Kirby track after, and I'm like, that's the realest shit I ever heard. Yep. Yeah, she's trying to eat a leaf off my plant. Um, then she would just be like, <laughs> she would just bite it. She wasn't even eating it. She just was biting them. Uh, anyways, crazy. Um, so I very much like the vibe of this one. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he's talking about like how he, you know, bought a kitten from a, you know, crazy cat lady. Um, you know, makes sense. And, uh, you know, Kirby is playing and just kind of being cute. And, um, you know, and he calls the cat uh, God or like a warrior. Uh, you know, like this cat is basically like fighting for like his sanity, like trying to like make him more sane by having a cat. And, uh, you know, it's scared of others and it pukes. Yeah, I know all about that and uh, eats earphone wires and like he makes reference to like uh, dogs playing poker so it makes me think of like I'm assuming that poster of all the dogs playing poker I feel like we you know we all know what it is um and like hey it's just cute and like I do really like the little like meow like that's like like there's like a cat ad lib and I certainly hope that it actually is Kirby uh I'm just gonna, I hope so. Um, and yeah, so he has he has this kitten because his shrink, uh, you know, probably the one from the last song, you know, again, pulling the story through, um, you, you know, says like, oh, I don't know, maybe get a kitten. And like, I know people who have been told this from by shrinks and they got a cat and like it. I don't know. It helps. And like maybe like this is like his like first time as an adult or or ever. I don't know. Um, of having a pet of your own. And I think that that kind of, you know, gives you purpose. You know, if, you know, you need to get up and feed your cat. You need to, you, you, need, to, you need to be there for your cat. And so, like, otherwise it's, the cat is just going to eat your eyes when you die. So it's like there's a dependence there. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, kind of part of that. Mm. Plus they offer, like, comfort and um you know when you pet them it can be soothing and you know like all of that kind of stuff like cats actually do a lot of things for a lot of people so you know i guess like a therapy cat so yeah and i think that they're great and um yeah i think just like having like someone like you know cares for you and like listens to you even if it's in like a cat i think that that can also be like like that responsibility that you know okay okay this you know this cat loves me i, I don't want to like let it down like so mm. sort of like that sense i think as well, well that's so, fucking true they really make you feel that way yeah so i like this one best i feel like i should have given it even higher grade but i gave it a 4.6 uh on five I, I really liked it it was good good times i disagree with your grade but that's okay because i don't know i'm saying really. i disagree with it too i feel like i would probably I give it a, it a five grade now yeah this is an amazing song first of all like, that is the best chorus that I've ever heard Aesop Rock do. And I believe this is his biggest track as far as YouTube views go. I might be wrong. Mm. Don't quote me on See? anything that cats. I'm saying here. But it's not just cats. It's like, it's the whole the idea. Thing. Have you ever sat there and stared at your cat? Yeah. And just thought, 
like, hey, Mona, what you, you know, Mona's the cat. And I've sat there and I've, I actually, at one point, after living with cats for a while, wanted to write an album from the perspective of cats. Like, you actually get to this point because they're fucking weirdos, okay? They're just fucking weirdos. And they do the weirdest shit. And then you realize these cats are literally just bosses. They walk around like they own some shit. They know they don't own anything and they need you, but they still walk around like they own some shit. And then you realize they do own some shit because you are they getting up to feed heart. them and you are doing all the shit they want. And somehow the cat, I don't know, it's fucking weird. It's a weird relationship. But I like the idea of like how it ties into it because I think even the next track follows up this track in terms of the story arc. And I'm pretty sure now that this whole album is kind of his journey that like kind of a, a documenting his journey as he goes through self-discovery and becomes more comfortable with himself as we'll get to with tracks a little bit later on you'll come to see what i mean there so i like the fact that kirby is such an in, in, like he just kind of shows the power of like having a cat you know like just what it actually does it almost gives you something to occupy your mind in those moments when you're feeling alone and isolated and having a lot of yeah. hard times with life and shit and it gives you that. And here's the thing. There's a lot of therapy that came out around the time this track came out that actually supports, like, um, pets and whatnot. Um, there's a, just to answer that quick, there's another five after this. Um, so, like, uh, basically, like, you're going to have these, like, you know, like, people saying, yo, get cats. There's a therapeutic value to petting mm -hmm. cats and shit. And why do I say cats is because not everyone takes dogs. So cats and becomes, like, a viable option. it gives you something option. else to obsess and about And cats are fucking low-maintenance, low too. Like, dogs, you got to walk and shit. Cats, you just got to clean a litter box every couple of days. And you know they're what I'm vomit. Saying? And they're vomit. I don't know. Bonnie's cats puke. Like, they're, like, awful. They puke all the time. But anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I think this sounds magical. I don't think there's a lot of stuff like this. I don't think a lot of people have ever really sat there and stared at their cat and, like, written a track kind of like this. And I don't think anyone was able to, like... And he tied it into like, yo, I did all of these drugs for so many years. Everybody gave me medicine. And then at the end of the year, they're like, get a cat. And you know what the fact is? Getting a cat may have been the solution the whole fucking time. Like, because honestly... Cats really do make people happier. It's fucking stupid. I'll be in a bad mood and I'm not even a cat person and I'll pet this fucking cat and it'll be like, okay, I'll let him pet me. And I'm like, you're a fucking asshole most of the time, but right now you're cute. And it just, that's how it works. So five on five. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. Tough. Yo, this song is a sonic fucking experience. But what do you think about it, Bonnie? Um, I don't actually have so much to say about this one. Um, I imagine you'll go through more of it, but um, it's more just like on like the topic of like him, like I think living in like the country in a barn and like his experience with that. And I think kind of like him, like wondering like what people are going to think he's going to be like when he comes back. Um, like, is he going to be tough? Um, you know, li having lived out in like the country, like maybe he toughened up and, um, or maybe he, like, I, I'm not sure, like, like, I don't know. That's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, but like overall, I, I felt I got more like captivated by like the sound. Um, like you were saying, like, I, I really like the sound of this one. Um, and I really like the samples and like, like the kind of like beatboxing that's kind of like thrown in. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, I gave it a 4.3 on five. So if I click on this genius annotation, we get this definition of tough. A rock formed by fusing together the ground of small rock fragments less than two millimeters across ejected from a volcano. 
So I guess it's kind of a, a way of like being extra tough. But what I love about the spelling of tough is it really sounds like an old man trying to be hard. Like just the spelling mm -hmm. of it like that. It's all caps on this album. It's the only track that's all caps. Like it's like it's like he's going out of his way to be tough, you know, tough guy, Aesop. And there's like a whole vibe to this. Like it's an old school tough guy vibe, right? And I think, you know, we're just going through all this self-awareness shit and like we've gone through the cat and he's gone through all these periods of kind of reflection and whatnot. And then he kind of comes in with dumb diggy bump, dumb diggy bump biggie, which kind of kind of has like a really old school hip hop feel to that, like yep. the dumb diggity dumb diggy, you know that kind of a feel. And then bump biggie to the landlady holler, get a haircut, hippie. And honestly, it's like considering when he wrote this, none of that, like it's kind of the shit that would have been youthful but isn't so youthful off the jump. So it's kind of got that vibe going on, and he just kind of runs it through. And then I feel like as the song kind of progresses, he's kind of like going through different vibes of this and the beat kind of updates to reflect the different things he's going through is he's kind of realizing that like he's kind of forged into a sense of toughness and he kind of has like this tenacity but like i also feel like he's also getting a little bit older like man who could have guessed the future of abominable imagery who also share a birthday with kenny g none you know like just that reference is like yo what a that's an old that's an old guy to relate yourself to you know yeah and then end of the day i really enjoyed the overall vibe of it i love the beatboxing verse i think that just is fucking explodes it's fucking magical to listen to overall i feel like he he's kind of showing you the roots of where he comes from a little bit and kind of getting back into i feel like this is kind of a get back in touch with your inner spirit and your inner age type shit and he's trying to almost reimagine where he came from a little bit and the energy that he once had and he fucking kind of is doing it from a thinking back way and i really think it's a brilliant experience to listen to i enjoyed it a lot and i give it a 4.5 on 5 i don't have a lot more to say about this one nice but why don't we move on then, and we can all take a listen to the next one. This is called A Lazy Eye. Yo, what do you think it is from Bunny? Um, so I like the sort of like Nintendo type sound uh, at the at the beginning. Mm. Um, so like he was just like trying to find himself and figure out what he liked, and just try doing different and better things. He, you know, he was just trying to, you know, he's still self exploring. Um, you know, he, he grew up with religion, but he kind of seems distant from it now. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's kind of deciding what he wants to believe in, I guess. Um, and he's, you know, the people are just kind of saying like, just do, do whatever come, comes naturally to you. Um, and what will make you happy. And like, kind of, we all have like our own paths to walk and nobody can tell another person what the right answer is. It's like, right. you have to decide that. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's interesting. I like what he talks about, and uh, it, it's definitely good. It has a positive message. I like the vibe uh, to this one. So I give this one a 4.3 on 5. Um, I think it's an interesting one because it was inspired uh, by a conversation with Chuck D, where Chuck mm. D was effectively like, be yeah. yourself. And I think a lot of his project has kind of been like him kind of coming terms uh, with himself and him oh, sharing and, uh, yeah, his Yeah, exactly that. I completely forgot to even mention the lazy eye fact, uh, yeah, he's just dealing with his lazy eye, and he's like, you know, he's putting it forward, and mm. like as the title of his song, um, because he's kind of declaring that he's okay with it. And I think that makes a lot of like it's it's about also owning all of your like weird shit that goes Flaws. on with you, like 
So he's just kind of understanding himself with it. I feel like there's also, even with the style of what you're doing with your music, like don't worry about what's hot. Don't worry about what people want from you. Just kind of do yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have as much to break down in the bars. It's just like, I feel like you can see it in the second verse though, to exemplify it a lot more, like before climbing Douchebag Mountain, which could be like where he's at now as he's kind of internalizing and people are looking at him in a certain way. Um, I was skate or die, you know, that's like a whole maybe mentality we're sharing. Staring, uh, started eating kale, came to terms with my lazy eye, putting on the yoga lady, cutting off the cable guy. So, you know, you'd watch the cable guy when you're young and stoned and doing this, you know, and then he's moving on to maybe more adult things. And he just kind of looks like he's adjusting and just kind of owning where he's at with stuff instead of worrying about it. I really, really enjoyed, though, that he starts adding in this almost... I don't want to call it toxic, but the dark shit that's kind of affecting him because as he's reflecting and coming into himself, maybe he's considering people who made him feel the way throughout all this time and it starts showing that. So um, like, like when he says, some people have mistaken my allegiance for a weakness. It fucked me up for eons. I wished I was a theist. And then I like the way he just twists that. The type to fake his death and then forget he faked his death. Show up on TV at the crowd at the AVNs like this because a theist would be like a more religious God person, right? And the AVNs is the porn awards. So that's why it's like super fucking funny to me. Um, anyway, third verse again, he's just kind of like reflecting and trying to like kind of make sense of shit. And I feel like he's kind of going even deeper into the way people misuse promises and relationships and trust and all this shit. And, and in a sense, he had a lazy eye with how he perceived his relationships in the past. And he wasn't able to see certain things that should have been in front of his face. So on top of owning mm, who he is okay. as a person, there's also this sense of looking in the past at everybody else that he's been working with because yo there's this series maybe i'm just kind of like feeling away in my own life and i can understand what it's like to reevaluate a lot of things with hindsight going through a journey like he's at but i kind of really like that double entendre he's playing with this track i think the beat's also amazing i like how he can change it up so much like in the third verse it's like almost a completely different experience in the first two creating a lively song and honestly that's how you do a third verse in my opinion like there's no reason to not have a third verse just make it you got to just find a way to keep your song alive and then nobody's gonna click off because it's a fucking fire experience anyhow i give it another 4.5 on 5 i really like this i feel like at this point it's the consistency of the album you either like it or you don't like it at this point but you know what it is it's yep. uh, if you're if you're here for an aesop rock review there's a good chance you probably like it Anyway, I feel like the next track is a good follow-up to this one because it definitely touches on some of the themes. Like, it started off in therapy land and it ended transitioning into almost like a next arc of the album, mm -hmm. which is such a fucking cool way to transition an album story that you're telling. And, like, there's a lot people could learn from the way he wrote this at, like, album level rather than even at the song-by-song song level. So that's really fucking cool, too. Uh, anyway, let's move on to Defender and take a little listening poo. This one. <clears throat> this one's interesting. It definitely has a cool vibe to it. Um, so this one uh, was about him having to stay inside with his pets because there was like a bobcat around and like his neighbor Alex was letting everyone know. And um, there's other predators that are around. Um, you know, that he talks about... Um, uh, a bear and coyotes so um and this is like again the reality i don't know exactly where he was uh when he w went out to the country but this is sort of like uh, the 
kind of normal things that you know just you know if there is if you do spot one of these uh predators just to like let people know and you know let make sure people are cautious and you know know what to do if they encounter one of these animals um and uh so he's also like you know maybe like defending it maybe there are he's there he's not really doing too much and so maybe he's volunteered to like help out like the farmers or something and like you know basically make sure that like these predators don't eat their flock or like their you know livestock or whatever um mm. you know because you know or even like your cats or dogs or anything like you know you don't want them and ending up there it's dinner so um i know i've heard my mom shouting so many times like don't let the cat out like the coyotes are out there and so yeah you have to be careful for that or we had like a fox that was like living like basically like behind our garage at one point and so mm. there was always a fox around which was cute as like hell they're so cute and friendly um but yeah uh so like he's basically just like defending the area and like watching out for like these like predators and like some of like the i don't know the things that he writes uh and in verse three uh they're more scared of you than you them although one of us choose limbs and one has two chins and i thought that was kind of like funny because like you know probably one's not going to be able to run away too fast or something from it if they try to like not be caught by it or something so um i don't know it was all right it was uh sort of about like defending the community and let sort of like you know his like the worries that he was thinking about when he was kind of cooped up and that he had to keep everybody inside and like you know, this is probably not something that a lot of people necessarily experience, like, you know, having to, you know, watch out for these wild animals. But, uh, yeah, I guess it's like a new thing for him. And it's just kind of talking about that. So I gave a 4.25 on five. I like that. So I would say take everything you said and then call it rappers and shit. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Everything you said, you'll check it, like. The whole premise here, like, so first Alex at the street called, said he saw a bobcat, keep your pets inside, notify our contacts, mm -hmm. right? Now, look, I guess I'm a little bit ingratiated into my scene and I started talking to people. And let me tell you something. There might be some truth to that idea that, like, if, you know, there's a bobcat, so let's say a snake in the crew or whatever else, right? People are going to be like that and you're going to be like, okay. I got to watch for this. Like, and people talk in your ear and people say all kinds mm. of things. And then you flow through the verse, right? You know, like, um, uh, the truth did plumage to the root and proved to a prequel to Malay's a feud. He knew he was blowing up in his face. He'd been replaying the scenario for days with the variables replaced. May, loser in the sky with more diamonds than the capital from The Shining. So if you think about high people kind of imagining scenarios and creating shits and starting dramas and all of this other shit, and then you kind of get that, like, illusion to this is, like, actually about people in the community but everything you said really really works as a setup for like the <laughs> double entendre that he was going for then it evolves a bit you know check your trash can lids whatever and he's like i'll take first watch i'm a defender i'm gonna do this shit like we used to run it out we used to be out there you know worrying okay. about these different things um 
then as you said he kind of does evolve it now it's coyotes and it's different kinds of people and you know he's got to call alex back you know and make maybe we should do things differently maybe we should operate like less this and you know when he's kind of describing like less public stuff more private stuff less operate differently you know okay and then if you think about trying to build up a rap career and you're trying to move throughout the city in the pivoting nature of how everybody tries to grind in the landscapes and everyone's trying to operate and do their own thing you know and it's like whatever keeps the scallywags wrapped up in the subterfuge could be a way of people that are trying to create yeah. falsities within the scenes and making money off of maybe less honorable situations or it could even just be trying to be honorable amongst these situations but the fact is there's all this stuff that is kind of tied up into it right or even just that idea paid the piper cod so cod according to genies here is cash on demand and part of the the piper story is that they didn't pay him so he fucking retaliated so it's like maybe mm. if people paid people up front and did shit right and honorably yo you know how many beat makers i talk to who are like okay. your rappers hit me up and are like yo send me that shit for free or whatever i'll get you clout nobody offers people money people to steal shit people act a certain way people aren't necessarily great with honor anyway mm -hmm. so now it's elevated when he calls alex back so he's now letting alex know about the coyotes so it's almost like he's trying to redo the diligence or whatever and then all of a sudden we find out from a third party who's not alex so it's even more complicated and more shit that's going on and then a bunch of stuff is like kind of like you know making it worse right we'll just say the situation is even more complex etc and then he's just kind of like you know I feel like he's figured out his own way through the maelstrom of life. That's kind of what he's talking about when he's like found money in a speaker, bought lower Manhattan pizza. You made a few exceedingly forsaken, sit around a cooler domestication than a couple of decades past. And you can't even find a wavelength he was on when he was running 1 a.m. By the way, you know, and then he moves in a bit there. But if you think about that from a perspective of like, yo, now our time has passed, right? I'm long enough in the game to have had enough time in the past where it's not like decades, but that people aren't necessarily there. Most of the people that were like popping, popping don't exist today in the same way that they used to and shit. And everything about how you feel when you're younger and you're trying to make moves changes as you get older and shit, right? And you start really reconsidering a lot of things about a lot of people you fucked with and a lot of the reasons you did things and a lot of that. So I feel like this is kind of what he's lamenting on with very specific situations in mind. But of course, he's not going into specific details. But at the end of the yeah. day, a third party who is incidentally not Alex seen a bear putting a thousand chickens in a pot with carrots so it's almost like i feel like alluding to the idea that alex is actually this person who instigated the situation in the fucking first place that's what i took from that because you know putting a thousand chickens in a pot with carrots seems like something that would attract all sorts of shit maybe i'm misreading that but that's kind of what well, i took like the from chickens that. are just like uh blind followers yeah so it's like, you know, all these people okay. following up. So now it's like you got to cool. really defend that. against that, right? So I'll take first watch because he's on his guard and he's still doing the honorable thing. Like Aesop has stayed true through all this, but now he sees all the people that aren't. So I really like this a lot. I think it's a really clever track. I think it really does a lot here. And it's another 4.5 on 5 for me. Um, and I do think that it is like, like, uh, like, like, you know, it obviously shows that he is a, a great storyteller if both you and I are able to pull out completely different stories out of this song and both still be right. Yeah, I mean, I you think know? I think you hit, like, the top level, but, like, it was always... You know what I but mean. But it was always meant to be like that. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. I don't know what else to say. It's cool. cool. Let's move on to the second to last track on the album. It's called Water Tower. Mm. All right, Bonnie, what do you think about this one? 
Um, this one has like a weird, funky beat. Um, I took that it was about the cycle of life and just sort of like, I mean, it's probably about some rap battle or something, but I took it about the cycle of life and that we eat uh, things that we're living uh, to give us life, but they have to die, uh, plants or animals, um, in order to do that. Um, most of the time, I think, I mean, you can pluck off, like, I, don't, I think, a, you know, parts of the plant. They don't necessarily have to die. But, um, like, you know, we have to do this to most, like, living things in order to live. And I think that that's, like, you know, eat or, you know, be killed or be killed or whatever. Like, it's just, like, that's just part of it. And um, some of the things that he says are, like, an embarrassing ordeal involving hospitals and questions and the kind of doctors who use mm. words like cognitive and spectrum. So it seems like he's sort of, like, um, dealing with maybe, like, the past issues where um, or just, like, recalling, uh, like, the past uh, moments where doctors maybe first um, noted that he maybe had like a, a neurological disorder right. um, and which was, you know, probably a pretty significant moment in his life. Like, you know, actually somebody giving him, you know, positive and negatively, I suppose, you know, there's pros and cons to actually knowing now, okay, there's actually something wrong. You know, I'm not crazy. Um, and versus like, okay, now there's actually something wrong. You know, <laughs> like there's, there's two sides uh, of, of dealing with that, I guess. Right. So, you know, he's just kind of like going through like kind of like all of that. And, uh, you know, and then afterwards, you know, I guess he took it pretty uh, hard and difficultly, you know, that he actually, you know, does have this. And, uh, you know, he started having or maybe he already had um, suicidal tendencies. And, you know, he didn't really see himself as living uh, a person who was going to be living like a long and substantial life. Um, and then he talks about, um, I had a pet lizard. He never got an obit, fed him crickets. It was, a, uh, it was dead a, a fucking month before I noticed. And so, um, kind of like, there's a lot of, uh, kind of talk about death on this album. And I think that that's kind of, you know, telling like as to kind of what he kind of tends mm. to sink back into in his thoughts that you know he is questioning his own mortality you know he wants to be the impossible kid he wants to be a child again he wants to relive it or he wants to do something or he's kind of like just in touch with like his youth and like he he doesn't want to kind of like let go but then at the same time he's kind of forced with like growing up and you know being that person that changes and isn't necessarily that impossible kid anymore you know like he can be somebody that's you know normal in a sense or something like that like you know maybe just kind of like with him dealing with that or like you know that he can find like a space for him or whatever so um i don't know i mean i, I really hope that like this album helped him like deal with like some of these issues and like kind of work through a lot of these things and i hope the cat really helps uh, <laughs> so um i give this a 4.1 because on five because it's not something that i would go what? back I w it wouldn't go back to this song but like i understand that it helped him and it was good for him but this isn't necessarily one that like i was in love with i i liked it a lot that chorus mm -hmm. is a smash you just fucking feel the anthemic nature. You can p picture the live show. <clears throat> almost Aesop holding it up. Everybody yeah. holding it down. Pay no rules on the water. Like, you can even drop the beat for that shit. But even then, it's just so fucking powerful. But 
I feel like it's very in line with the rest of the album. Yeah. Uh, but topically, we go into a different thing. I like the fact that like he's kind of thinking about the death of things and the cycle of life and how things kind of break down in that first verse and go into life. So he doesn't start the track at like a heavy way. He, he kind of well, it's sort of heavy, but mm. he starts it off looking at more of a natural thing, like a little animal and how it like literally turns into nutrients. And there's like a benefit of like this cycle of death feeding life which then follows mm -hmm. into when he was 20 when he like you know called up his girlfriend and was telling her he wanted to kill himself that's kind of what falling on my weapon would represent you know like offing myself mm. and then ripped the phone off the wall the poe would drag me from the bedroom so that's when the police show up to do those wellness checks you know then he gets in the hospital where they're kind of using words like cognitive yeah. and spectrum which is still kind of the language that gets used people are on spectrums and shit and uh, this is kind of what it is um, and then it's like how he's looking at that like inside of his mind how it's like a way to romanticize or almost glorify in a sense the way he is mm -hmm. and then you know it's just kind of coping with all of these different things but I feel like at the end of the day he's left with this desire to live right yeah. and then even in like the, the third verse it's kind of like his after that he's got a different view about it like shit just kind of happens but while you're here you can try to like work through it and you know like tabby over parasite you know, like instead of like trying to like indulge all the negative shit, I can just pet my cat. <laughs> you know, like there's some simple shits. Um, I, I really, I really appreciate this tune so fucking much. I think mm -hmm. it's really well done, and I feel like it's an anthemic moment on the album. Like, in in light of the fact that there's so many haters, it's almost like his his like I'm gonna break through and I'm gonna go paint no rules on the water tower of life. Because at the end yeah. of the day, I'm gonna live how I'm going to live, and it's like a mission statement that yeah. leads into the next track that closes off the album. I think really fucking perfectly. So I give it another four point five because it's just to me an amazing sonic experience all around. I'm Let's listen to the last one together. It's called Molecules. This one, Bonnie, what do you think of the last track of this one? Um, this just basically sounds more like, uh, I mean, you're going to just go through it all. Um, <laughs> like his experience in nature and like what he felt and about his life in the country and why he's there. And like that, that was it. It was kind of like the synopsis of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, feel, I mean, I've loved the music of it. I feel like it's just, like, that's why I'm here. It's like an anthem. It's just, like, one of those latching, like, fucking hooky kind of chorus parts that just is there. But I also like the way it starts with that's it, impossible. It ties, it ties into, like, the fact that he was, like, you know, suicidal. And the fact that he's still here. Yes. Mmm. Big facts. Especially after the last one. Yeah. Um. Oh, shit, I didn't even think of that. That's a huge connection point. Mm -hmm. Yo, go Bonnie. Whoop, whoop, whoop. But I feel like, basically, he doesn't like the city. He's not into it in the first verse, and he's just saying, nah, fuck it. Because he, like, left, right? Like, he actually fucking left and shit. And so he's, you know, he left it all, and he dipped out. And he's just kind of, like, describing it. These awful winds, those grinding gears, this pile of bones, all the bullshit that comes from living, I guess, away from it all. That's why I'm here, you know, in a sense. That's kind of what I took from that. But yeah. also... All the effort, the grind, everything I put through. That's why I'm here on this wild frontier, which is also like his place in hip hop, right? He's pushing boundaries forward. He's doing things other people aren't doing. You know, he's even in the wild frontier musically. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway, then I like how in the second verse, it's like, you know, 
just kind of keeps rolling through it. I don't have a lot more to comment on it. You know, it's like impossible that he's still alive and he's still doing all this shit, I guess. People are kind of surprised about it, etc. But also that he's in this new world and he's still able to make his music and be this person without like maybe being miserable, you know, because now that he's happier, he's finding other things. And I think that really gets expanded on in the third verse where it's like, all right, so I finally figured it out. You know, I'm finally able to like be kind of rational and understand myself and in a sense, um, maybe this is a problem for some people who revel on the misery like i know a common thing i see with like almost criticisms of like a lot of these guys who especially in their youth were fucked up and miserable and living crazy lives is that when they like stabilize their music changes which kind of yeah it will you're not like living that life but it's almost like these these fans want you to go back to being absolutely miserable in order to um Make the music that they want to hear. Yeah, and he's like, nah, fuck it. I'm over here in my new little world, and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, and we'll see who's really down, I guess, or who's really with it, or who's whatever. And I appreciate that, because I don't really know the old music. I come into Aesop Rock in, like, 2017 or whatever and kind of, you know, covered all the new stuff and then moved back. So for me, it's really great to, like, kind of hear this. It feels like this is a project where it's like he stepped into his own and he finally decided this is who the fuck I want to be with it in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really conveyed in it. I mean, I'm going to give this track though a 4.35. It isn't my favorite on the album sonically, but I really also feel like it closes the album yeah. properly. Um, I gave it a 4.2. I don't think I gave my grade. So, um, I guess for the album as a whole, I gave it like a 4.55. Um, oh, wow. I really like it. I think this is a classic in the realms of what it is. This is like a, a, almost like a self-help experience of yeah, realization. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. As you go through it, there's a clear story arc to it. The sound is so out there and distinct in what it is. Like what what else is like I'm sure there's other things that might be kind of like it, but this is a really distinct album. And it really sounds like Aesop Rock. Like, who else does it sound like? I mean, I heard other stuff that came after it, and I hear this, and I'm like, nah, this just sounds like Aesop Rock. Mm-hmm. And it's so personal to him because he made all the music and he did all all of this shit, right? Yeah. Uh, the album came out in 2016. And I just think it's like, honestly, it really feels like a magnum opus moment for for what I've heard of him. And I, I mean, I also really like Spirit World Field Guide, which feels like a whole new magnus opus moment. So that's crazy that he's had two of those in like a four-year fucking span. But like this album is amazing to me, like beginning to end. Like I can listen to this shit, no fucking problem. And, and like I feel like there's a whole like growth element to it. And you just kind of get some goofy, you get some serious, but you also kind of get yep. a wide range of real human emotions that get explored. And it, it's really versatile and interesting. And I, that's all I got to say about that. Plus, yeah. it sounds nice from a production <laughs> point of view. It's really like polished. Yeah, it's definitely very creative. It's... Um, it's definitely him. It feels very personal. It does feel like very much like we're going on a journey with him that, you know, that he is like, he's doing this. And I think the whole thing probably just sounded like an escape, um, at one point, but I think it also is to kind of like figure out himself and get him like himself back on track and, uh, you know, make sure that he is where he needs to be in life to, to take like the next steps and like, you know, deal with all of like, you know, his issues and to kind of let go of things. And like kind of I think it is just kind of like a, a very therapeutic album for sure. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I gave it a, a four point two six on five, so an eighty five percent. But I do feel like you know some of the, some of them I would have given a higher grade, um, have listened to it again or like in a different headspace than when I originally was you know listening to it. Um, but I also feel like with the extra context, you're gonna go back and hear it again, and you're gonna be like, okay, there's layers to this yeah. shit like a fucking onion. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I probably would have given it like a higher grade. So I mean. It's very cool. It's not necessarily one that I would go to, but I think that it can definitely help like a lot of people dealing with a lot of shit. And, um, you know, it, it sounds cool. It definitely is like a unique project for sure. Awesome. So, yeah, we've reached the end of this review here. So I'm going to do the little outro for the we video. Sure Thank you all for being here. Totally appreciate you watching. For those of you that stuck with us live, that's truly amazing. I appreciate each and every one of you. For those of you watching in the future on YouTube or whatever, thank mm -hmm. y'all. Because even saw a couple of y'all on YouTube. Big ups to y'all there. I appreciate everybody watching this for real reels. Thank you. Um, definitely uh, leave some comments in the future. Yeah. Like, subscribe, follow, whatever platform you're on. Do your thing. Um, and special thanks to the patrons. Ismail Gadamsi, Chris Prado, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black Hurricane, Linda Williams, Scribble, they're dope. They support what we do. They're awesome. A few of them have been riding with us in this very fucking review. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's really amazing to see like that. Um, and it's yeah. just really great. So if you support us like that, that's super cool. You can also hit that little subscribe on Twitch so we can get a we'll little do, we'll new emote. Anyway, thank you all for being here for real, real. Uh, that's about all I gotta say about that. So for the sake of the end of this, we're gonna live long and prosper, Peace everyone. Guys.